We are going to continue our series on Luke chapter 2. Um, we're going to jump a little bit ahead uh, and, and kind of focus on Father's Day. And, um, and so we're going to cut through the, the, we'll jump back later, but, but for now we're going to skip through the Christmas story where uh, the angels deliver the message to the shepherds and, and they say glory to God in the highest peace on earth. And, and then the shepherds go and, and they're there with Jesus and, and, and Mary and Joseph and they, they're worshiping Jesus. And, and, and then uh, Jesus goes to the temple with Mary and Joseph and they, he goes through all these things. And then Jesus becomes 12. And I don't know about you, but, but I, I don't know if you're really a dad until your kids are 12. <laughs> the, and mine aren't there, so I don't know if I'm even qualified to preach this. But, but there's, a, there's a thing that happens. You know, like I said, your, your kids like you when they're young, and then when they turn 12, something happens where they don't like you as much anymore. They don't listen to you as much anymore. They have their own opinions and their own ideas, and they want to do. And, and it really starts, you know, in the beginning, you're just keeping them alive. And then they learn this two-letter word, no. And then they learn how to use that often, and, and then it just kind of escalates from there. And, and so I wanted to jump to this time where Mary and Joseph are responsible for, for parenting the Son of God, for raising him up, for uh, it says that he, he grew in wisdom and knowledge. And so while Jesus was 100% God, he became 100% man as well. So so they were changing his dirty diapers. They were, uh, they were taking care of him. They were teaching him things. They were, uh, it was the same as if he was completely human. And, and so they, they took care of him in such a way. And, and, and something happens here in, uh, in verse 41. Uh, even Mary and Joseph have a story about when Jesus was 12. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old, he went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but the parents did not know it. Anybody been there? But supposing him to be with the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Has anybody misplaced their kid? Last, last February, uh, we had a missions convention in, or missions conference in, in uh, it was a few miles from Orlando, and we, it was all paid for, and, you know, the missions people invited us to come, and so we did the math, and we're like, hey, we could, we could take our kids to Disney World, um, and so we, we took uh, Kinley and Taylor, they were, what, five and six, uh, some four and six, I guess, at the time, and, and, um, and uh, 
uh, there was this moment out in front of Tomorrowland, and I mean a moment, like 20 seconds, but we, I said, where's Kinley? And you know how that, like, that one second turns into 12 minutes, and you're just like, Where, where's Kinley? You know, and, it, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm the calm one in my family. I don't know if that's you or if you're the, the other one, but, um, but I, I've taken on the role of, okay, I've got to, if there's a fire, I'll put it out and, and back away. It's fine. But, but there was something in me that's like, where's my daughter? And, but, but while to, to, to make everybody calm, I, I say, I, I think this is an appropriate joke. I say, well, how hard is it to find a six-year-old girl wearing Mick, Mickey ears in Disney World? And, and it didn't help the situation. It wasn't very helpful. I thought, okay, I'll lighten the mood. I'll say a joke. It'll be fine. And, and so panicking, and, and literally about 20 seconds later, 10 yards away in a crowd of people, we hear this blood-curdling scream and crying. And there she, you know, she wasn't very far away, but it's people everywhere, and it, it's scary. It's scary to lose your kid. It's scary to misplace your child, uh, especially in an unfamiliar place um, and in a crowd of people, even for 20 seconds. Can you imagine misplacing your kid for three days when it's the Son of God? And, and, and you know, you know, the Gabriel, the archangel that came to you, you know what he said to, you know what he did to Zechariah when, when Zechariah questioned him. Uh, he, he made him not speak for nine months. Um, can you imagine what he's going to do to us when he finds out that we lost the Son of God? Um, he's going to come back. He's, so they're probably scared that Gabriel's going to show up and just take him out. But, but they find Jesus and he says, where, where else would I be? I'm in my father's house. What I want to speak to this morning is the environment that a father creates, uh, the environment that a father should cultivate. And for Jesus, uh, so we're going to look at the relationship between God the Father and Jesus, um, which is going to correlate to our relationship with our earthly fathers and us, some better than others, and then, and then we're going to look at our relationship between the Father, our Heavenly Father and us. But with Jesus, Jesus knew that, uh, okay, my earthly parents aren't here. I'm going to my father's house. And, and the first point this morning that I want to uh, make is, is that the father's house is a safe place to ask questions. I don't know if that's true for you. I don't know if your father's house was a safe place to ask questions. But we see in verse 46, after three days they found him in the temple. What was he doing? He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding, at his answers. And then the, at the end of that section it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor. And so um, the father's house in this case is, is, the, is the temple, and in our context, uh, we often refer to this place, the church, as God's house, when in reality God lives in us, and that's a whole different sermon. But, but for uh, the purposes of this sermon, if this is God's house, if this is God's uh, house, the Father's house, uh, we try to cultivate a safe place to ask questions. It's okay to not be okay. You don't have to come in and smile and happy and, and for God is good. Blessed, blessed, you know, it's a blessed day. You know, I'm, praise God if that is your attitude, but, but 
and that's, we, need the, we need you if that is you, um, but, but sometimes uh, it's okay to not be okay. Sometimes it's okay to come in here and say, man, this week's been rough, and, and I need some refreshment. I need some joy, and, and that's my job is to give you the Word of God and to encourage you and uplift you, but, but you don't have to fake it till you make it, all right? I, I'm just letting you know that you can uh, ask questions. If you're new to Christianity, if, you, if this is your first time in church, it's okay to come talk to me after service and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I don't know how to, I don't know what Christianity is. I don't know uh, who's this Jesus guy. It's okay. This is the right place to be. You can come. We have men's groups. We have women's groups that meet here. And you all know that have been here that it's okay to ask some questions in those groups, right? Some, some of the questions that come up in those groups, uh, it's okay to not, uh, to not know and to be able to ask those questions. It's a safe place to ask questions. Um, God's house is a place to ask and to learn and to grow. James says um, uh, that, that if we lack wisdom, we can ask God and he gives generously without reproach. I don't know it, what your earthly father was like. Maybe, um, maybe it wasn't a safe place to ask questions. Um, Maybe it wasn't a, a place where you could question anything, but, but can I tell you that this place, God's house, is a, it's a safe place. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor, which again, it, it indicates that he set aside the prerogative of deity, and, and, he, um, and he was 100% human, and he was 100% God, and, and, but he still chose to grow and to learn as human. So let's take a look at, at Jesus' life and how the, God the Father interacts with him after this point. So he's a child, 12 years old. He's in his father's house asking questions, learning, growing, increasing in wisdom and, and in stature. And then in the next chapter, Luke chapter 3, verse 21, he's, he's grown now. And, and it's that he goes to John the Baptist. And now when all the people... Uh, this is verse 21, chapter 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven, a voice came from heaven. This is the Father's voice. And he says, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. My second point this morning is the Father publicly says, I love you, and I'm proud of you. I, I've been in ministry for almost 15 years, 14 years, um, which makes me feel old. I started young, uh, but, um, but it was youth pastor, uh, kids, ministry, um, college students, and, and, and you know what I found out? That, that there aren't many dads who say those eight words publicly. There just aren't. There's not many that say those words privately, much less publicly. I love you and I'm proud of you. Yet God the Father publicly declares while others are listening, I love you and I'm well pleased. There's a reason this is happening. He's demonstrating what a good father does to his son, to his daughter. He, he loves them, and he uh, is proud of them, and, and he continually communicates that. And when there's an opportunity that presents itself, he does so publicly. This is very important. Because men, if you don't speak these words to your children... They will look for it in other 
places. They will look for validation. They will spend their entire life looking for love and validation from others when they just need it from their father. They need it from you. And, and I, 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 I'm not here to condemn. I'm not here to convict. I'm just simply preaching the word of God. And God is, is demonstrating what it means to be a good father. And, and may we take note. May we continue to publicly declare that we love our children, that we're proud of them. And you might say, well, I'm not proud of them. I'm not proud of their actions. I, uh, if, they, if they'd straighten up, if they you know, fly right, I, I, might, I might say something. But right now, I'm not too... I, I would ask this, is your house a safe place for them to ask questions, to learn, and to grow? I would, I would back up and, and say, okay, have you been discipling them? Have you been teaching them? Have they been, have they been taught the right way? Are you teaching them what's right? Are you giving them uh, positive reinforcement? Are you making sure that they know uh, that they are loved? Because that's the biblical model, is, is teaching them what's right, giving them positive reinforcement, and, and making sure that they know they are loved. And, and ultimately, we all know that our, our kids make their own decisions, but, but there is a model that we can follow as fathers. And we'll get to the correction and discipline in a little bit, because I know that all the fathers in the room are like, yeah, but they don't listen, and they've rebelled. And Okay, we'll get to that in a second, but it's also necessary to find something that you are proud of and, and let them know. Because the chances are they're starving for affirmation from their father. Um, you've got you've to find something that you're proud of and compliment your kids if you want to be uh, godly. Jesus begins his ministry and he recruits disciples and, and he teaches and he does these miracles and he heals the sick and, and, and he uh, casts out demons and he feeds thousands with a sack lunch of five loaves and two fish and, and he does all of these things. And then he goes to this mountain and he invites Peter and James and John uh, to join him. In, in Luke chapter 9, and his appearance changes, and, and Moses and Elijah appear on this mountain. It's amazing. It's one of the paramount things that happens in Scripture where Jesus is transfigured into uh, his heavenly appearance, and Moses and Elijah are uh, apparently coming from heaven to this mountainside, and, and it's this amazing thing, and the disciples don't even realize what's happening, as we'll see in verse 32 now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Jesus was, you know, uh, you're not the only one that's disappointed in your kids. Uh, Jesus' disciples, he's like, hey, come pray with me. And immediately they fall asleep. And this is a common thing for the disciples. Um, it's one of the most amazing things in all of the Bible. And, and yet they are asleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him and the men were parting from him. So they missed the whole thing. They just see uh, Moses and Elijah leaving. They missed the whole conversation, basically. But Peter wants them to stop. And he says uh, to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah not knowing what he had said. And, and, and as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. 
And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what had been seen. My second point is this. A father advocates and gives a platform for their children. God says to Peter, God the Father says to Peter, stop talking. Listen to my son. This is my son. This is the chosen one. Uh, listen to him. Now, now, a good father advocates for his children in a similar fashion. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the uh, honor student bumper sticker or the, uh, you know, bragging about their athletic accomplishments. I'm simply saying that if there's an injustice happening, uh, if your child isn't being heard, and the, the responsibility falls on the father. If your child isn't being heard, if there's neglect happening, if there's uh, abuse happening, the responsibility falls on the dad to make sure that the child is heard. In this case, it's one of the greatest events recorded in human history when people were able to witness the transfiguration of Christ, Elijah and Moses. They get a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Are you kidding me? And Peter won't shut up about building tents. And God the Father says, shh. Listen to Jesus. Listen to my son. And, and there's a responsibility of the father if your child is being bullied or abused or mistreated. It's your responsibility as the dad to get to the bottom of it. You know, it, there's always an accusation of being, my sister did this or my brother did this. And you've got to get to the bottom of it and make sure that what you're hearing is truth. But it ultimately... The father is responsible to making sure that it's right. You've got to advocate and, and give your, your children a platform. Uh, most of you know that, that Jesus never had to be disciplined by God, um, the father, because he was perfect. Um, but we're not. We're not perfect. That's a revelation to some of you. You're not perfect. Um, and so uh, we do want to look at the next point that a father disciplines, a father disciplines and we see this in Hebrews chapter 12 for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives it is for discipline that you have to endure God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline a father disciplines his children this is what you've been wait some of you have been waiting on this like yeah <laughs> You need to calm down. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like some of you are like, that's my only role. Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, we record this and you can watch it again. Um, but but uh, we, we've been studying Proverbs on, on Wednesday nights. And, and they're full of statements like this found uh, in, here in Hebrews that fathers discipline their children. They teach them right from wrong. They teach them to make good decisions. And, and fathers uh, teach us things uh, outside of that. You know, mine taught me how to play, mine's here somewhere. Mine taught me how to play sports and, and, uh, and hunt and fish. You know, I can skin a buck and run a trot line and, 
and catch catfish till dusk till dawn. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay, um, and I don't know. Some, you know, yours might have taught you how to be successful in business and how to save financially. Mine taught me how to how to survive in the woods. Um, and and I know, like now, I just I'm this nerdy guy that that sits in an office and reads all day. But but if if everything goes down, you know, I can I can survive. Um, but uh, I'm getting off my. I'm gonna read my notes. This isn't in my notes at all. Um, but you know, maybe yours taught you how to how to work on uh, engines or you know change the oil or uh, how to be smart uh, with money or how to golf or farm or barbecue. I don't know what else your fathers have taught you, uh, but I, I want to say this: it's it's really not about the activity as much as it is the discipline. It's not about the sport as much as it is the work ethic. It's not about the fishing as much as it is uh, patience and, and persistence. It's not about changing the oil. It's about taking care of what you have and being a good steward. Um, men, you, you must intentionally discipline and disciple your children. We, we have to. We have to read them the Bible. We have to teach them to pray. We, we don't have uh, a lack of pastors or churches. We have a lack of godly fathers who teach their children what is right. Teach your children to respect you and your wife. Teach them to respect everyone. Teach them to to know good, from, to, to be good and to do good. Teach them why, teach them how. Teach them by modeling it yourself. It's the most important thing you can do. Prioritize raising up the next generation to love God and to love people. That's not solely on, on me as a pastor. I, my goal, honestly, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Can I put it this way? My goal is to raise up godly men who change the next generation. And so, so uh, I, I want to focus not necessarily on, on the church being this amazing, you know, where thousands come. I, I want to make disciples who make disciples. And yes, I want thousands to come here and we'll build on and we'll do multiple services and we'll do all that. And I'm believing for it and praying for it. Um, but but uh, my goal, my, my focus is to, to help you be who God's created you to be and to, and to change the next generation and to raise up disciples. And I, I know that, ladies, I'm, I'm focusing on the men, but I, I also know that you kind of like that when we do that. So, uh, uh, so it helps you when, when we preach at the guys. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get to everybody here at the end. That's all I was trying to say there. Um, but we want to um, love our children, and part of that is, is disciplining them. And, and there's Spare the rod, spoil the child. Um, there, there's some discipline that's, you've got to be the quote-unquote bad guy, and you have to say, hey, this isn't fun news, but you need to know that that disappointed me, and that disappointed your mom, and this is what's right, and you need to do this instead. Um, and, and those types of conversations have to happen. Uh, finally, we see in Jesus' life that, that he's arrested, beaten, and crucified. And, um, and this isn't my point, but... Uh, this isn't in my points, but I, I do want to point out that, so Jesus is, uh, so he's done this ministry. He's, he's now at a point where Judas is betraying him. Um, everything's coming to fruition. And so he's arrested, he's beaten, he's, he's crucified. But before that happens, he's in the garden 
And what's he doing? He's pleading with God the Father. He's saying, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way for this not to happen, Father, Dad, Abba, may, may this not happen. Can you take this away? Can you, can you change the plan? Can something different? This is a plan that Jesus was a part of from the beginning. Jesus, the God, the Father, the Holy Spirit are one uh, being. It's, it's the same. But, but yet we have this in human understanding that Jesus is, is praying to God. And he's, he's pleading with his dad, can I, can I not do this? And what happens is the Father doesn't change the plan. This is the only plan. This was the way. And, and I, I think as a, as a dad of, of two uh, little girls, I, it's tempting for me to, to protect them from, from everything. And, and, and sometimes a good father allows the lesson to be learned and, and maybe not when they're seven, but, 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 but there's, there's some things that are, that are difficult. There's some things that we've got to walk through that are, that are challenging. You know, my daughter doesn't like running from first base to second base without stopping, you know, and t-ball. She just will stop and start, you know, it's, it's a long way to run. But it's my job as the father to say, you've got to keep going. You've got to run to the base before, you know, you've got and, and And for us, as, when they get older, there's, there's something about, as a father, it's our responsibility to say, you've got to keep going. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but, but you're created for this. God, God is telling Jesus, you can do this. You're, 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 this, you're the chosen one. You're the Messiah. You, you're going to save the world. Uh, you can do it. And, and he's believing, and part of believing is letting go and, and allowing them to continue uh, to, to uh, be on the mission that God has called them to be on. And again, none of that is in my notes, but, um, but I, I do think that Sometimes as a father, we have to let our kids do hard things, even when it's painful. <clears throat> Take that for what it's worth. Uh, my, my last point is this. A father lifts up. In parentheses in mind, I have raises from the dead. Because we know in the end, uh, you know, it, it seems like uh, God the Father is heartless because he allowed his son to die and he was dead for three days. And, and if you don't understand the, the meta narrative of the Bible, this is a tragedy. But, but we know that it's fulfilling prophecy and we know that Jesus is going to be alive. And actually, he ascends into heaven and is seated where? At the right hand of the Father. Um, uh, for all of eternity, he's sitting on a throne next to Dad. Um, and so I think it worked out. And we get to go to heaven now. And so it's an amazing thing, but we, we have to let our kids uh, do hard things. And that's becoming more of the point. I don't know why. Um, but but he, a good father lifts up. A good father uh, lifts up. In this case, God the Father resurrects Jesus uh, from the dead. Uh, as, as earthly fathers, we don't necessarily have that opportunity. Um, but, but we do... Um, uh, we do need to encourage our children. We need to lift them up when they fall. We need to uh, be there for them and, um, and, and continue to uh, help them up. And, and some of you have been frustrated this entire time uh, because this hasn't been true for you. You didn't have a father that was safe to ask questions to. You, you didn't have a father that told you that he loved you or that he was proud of you. He didn't take up for you. He didn't teach you. He didn't encourage you. 
Maybe you didn't even have a father at all. And here you are sitting through this Father's Day message and you're mad at me because I keep talking about dads and your dad isn't even here to hear it. If you don't hear anything else, can I tell you that your heavenly Father is enough? That the love of God is enough. And you may not believe it right now, but if you know Him and, and, you, can, and you can experience a relationship with Him, uh, it's, it's God's love can be enough for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son uh, so that if you believe in Him, you'll, you won't perish, but you will have everlasting life. You'll, um, we are, the Bible talks about we are co-heirs with Christ. Christ calls us brothers and sisters. In other words, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you you believe in him, if you put your faith in him, then you become a co-heir with Jesus. You become his brother. You become his sister. Your God is is your father. Not, Not theoretically or metaphorically, but actually God the Father becomes your father. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you and you become a part of this relationship with The Father, God, loves you as his own because you are his own. Uh, We we are adopted into the family of God. Jesus says that in his Father's house are many rooms that he's preparing for you. If you believe in Jesus, he's preparing a house, he's preparing a room for you in heaven in his Father's house. You have a father, whether you had an earthly father or not, whether he was a deadbeat or not, you have a father and you are adopted into God's family. If you put your faith in Jesus and believe in him, you have an eternal father. You have an eternal relationship with God the Father. And in fact, when we get to heaven, Jesus tells this parable of the talents, and, and, and if we get to heaven, if we spend our life serving him and, and honoring him, when we get there, he tells us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He, he's proud of us. We have an opportunity to make God proud, to, to hear the words, well done, from our heavenly Father. Can you imagine the opportunity that we have to hear our heavenly Father say, well done. That makes me want to live for him. That makes me want to strive for that because I don't know about you, but, but, but you might not have been able to have gained that uh, affirmation from your earthly father, but you have an opportunity to gain that from your heavenly Father and he has grace and he has forgiveness and he has love and you might say well I can't I I can't do this anymore I I've already messed up I'm too far gone can I tell you that his grace is sufficient for you and his power is made perfect in your weakness and you have an opportunity to do him uh, to to uh, to make him proud and to uh, hear those words from uh, from him I know you might not have ever heard that from your dad, but God wants you to know today that he loves you and he believes in you. He wants to give you a purpose. He wants to fill you with joy. He wants to advocate for you. He, he wants to lift you up. He wants to treat you as a son and as a daughter. He wants to guide you on the narrow path that leads to life. I'm going to close with this. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, 
in order that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. So what? So that we would too walk in the newness of life. Ephesians chapter 1. There's quite a few verses here, but it's all good stuff. Uh, Chapter uh, 1 verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom of revelation and the knowledge of him having your eyes of your hearts enlightened this is my prayer for you that tonight or today if 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 you haven't had a relationship with God that today would be the day that your eyes of your hearts are enlightened that you would receive a revelation of the knowledge of him that you may know what the hope of which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and that he what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe uh, according to the work in his great might that he worked in Christ when, don't miss this, uh, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him where? At the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I think it worked out for Jesus. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to church, which is the body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. I could preach on that the whole time. But, but God wants, to, wants you to be a part of this relationship. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to be your father. And Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that, that's the call today is that if, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. And so on this Father's Day, I think it appropriate to give you an opportunity to, to enter into a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And the good news is this, in, in Romans 8, Verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. What that is saying is, is in the same way that God lifted up Jesus, in the very exact same way that God lifted up Jesus and, and raised Him from the dead, He put the same spirit in you. And someday you're going to be risen from the dead and you're going to be in heaven with him for all of eternity if you put your faith in him. 